Hello everyone, this is Marcus. Thanks for joining me. This episode is about thinking and acting in a way that produces good results or good judgment using the processes that are out there like critical thinking and considering how bias and noise factor into things and then how to motivate yourself and keep growing, keep challenging yourself and just the thought process that you might engage in whichever endeavor you choose to apply yourself and my tool that I have available is a free Notion template. Notion is a might be called a platform or a project management program but it has a free version and if you start yourself a free version in Notion, a free account and download my ultimate real estate template in there you'll get some tools as well as um, the way that I set up my dashboard for my real estate transactions and really it's totally um, adaptable to whatever you need whether you're trying to acquire real estate or sell it market it whether you are trying to set up a maintenance schedule or to gosh I don't know what you can't do in it it is truly expandable um, I have not fleshed out notion to the extent as others do however I just try to keep things basic and the neat thing is you can grant people access to a certain area and exclude them in another area because within you just um, not everybody needs to see everything but if that's how your team runs uh, meaning if they all use notion as their go-to platform then you won't lose anything and you'll direct people's attention to the right area area excuse me so that's what this is about if uh, you would like to invite me to a certain area of, that you have questions or concerns in uh, after you download this template I'll be happy to answer them because I basically live inside of notion for my own stuff um, property management as well as uh, acquisitions and also real estate transactions for others that's kind of where I live so um, download the notion template and invite me to a certain area if you'd like my comments on uh, something that you are experiencing or anticipating going into. All right. Well, I uh, hope you enjoy the episode and uh, hope you consider joining me on subsequent episodes. Thank you so much. Hey, good morning. It's Marcus here with the wide world of real estate. Welcome to, I guess, the seventh episode. And I'm honestly just trying to find my way on giving something that's um, maybe has some intrinsic value for you and I prepared I did I did a lot of research and I wrote a nice paper about 4,000 words but just going through it it is extremely boring and I'm, I'm not sure that I would convey the information just because it was so boring but uh, today is about Friday it is August the fourth and I don't know if you I've introduced myself but I am a person that's been involved in real estate for um, a good number of years in no large scale if you want to see the the top of the top the pinnacle people that have um, or claim to do these big deals uh, or a lot of production then I, th I suggest you switch on over to a lot of others that have a much more professional 
a format and they get guests and it's a whole deal. I think that those things are already out there. Uh, I'm hoping to share with you uh, real, my, my, what I got going on with the inside of real estate that uh, I don't think anybody would accuse me of being overly impressive, but I do feel like that just staying curious and humble and keeping expenses low has offered a way for me to exist with a private property ownership. My first podcast after just kind of going solo and taking a monster break was about private property ownership, and I have had trouble doing anything without understanding why, and that's what I was trying to eliminate then. The other thing is how to make good decisions and that's what I focused on and researched uh, about three books regarding this um, how the mind works and about achievement and honestly I'm trying to figure out my own self we've relocated from New Orleans where we've had put in over 20 years here and just felt exposed if if you read the headlines, then obviously insurance, that includes flood and hazard insurance going up impressively, an impressive amount they went up since, um, I don't know since when, but uh, Hurricane Ida in Florida uh, caused caused some stress fractures within the insurance company, uh, had some bankruptcies and had uh, rate increases. And people, people getting out of the out of the business. Some established carriers leaving. But the, what I'm trying to explain is that it has been a reason for me to to uh, have my faith shaken in coastal areas just because of the holding costs um, going up. And when those similar problems, they haven't reached the interior quite yet. So what I'm trying to do is figure out for myself. So. Perhaps you can take something away from my research and, you know, is there a, a way to make good decisions? Let me stop. I'll just, let me, let me go from the beginning. I've been a real estate agent for um, quite some time, maybe 97 I was first licensed. And that came after being pursued by the broker of a real estate company, small independent real estate company that... Uh, was part of a transaction where I bought a little two-family turd in Laplace, Louisiana by getting an FHA loan with my surveying wages uh, at an engineering company, surveying engineering company. And I guess I was having some thoughts that that industry I was in, it was very low paid. It was a dead end, just quite honestly. And there's the siren song of com- earning commissions and selling real estate. So that's how I got to uh, holding a real estate license, which I still do in uh, a couple of states now. And I do think it it took away my attention from actually investing, which I think is a detriment. Uh, so in that respect, it was a bad decision to become a realtor. and. So, at age 49, I'm left with creating income for myself in a different area. 
<coughs> we've I have not focused on real estate sales not to I'm, I'm very good at it there's just plenty of distractions in the marketplace with salespeople um, getting their message out better than me and I don't I don't fault them for that they are they're making incomes for themselves the, the service of brokering real estate uh, continues to be a valuable way and real estate agents really are the let's be honest the gatekeepers to residential uh, real estate sales in the United States if you're beyond the United States then perhaps you do it a different way but here it is and that's who I am I've just been acquiring property adding value in our old housing stock with a renovation uh, with some financing benefits financing um, opportunities that I've had and that has created an income to where I'm able to feed myself regularly however I'm not extravagant and think that uh, assuming that you're going to be be able to scale a hero every day is not realistic but is there a way to make good decisions that's that's the channel that I'm on right now today and I, uh, I'm not sure sometimes we have to look at hindsight to see if a decision was good or bad but um, I think there is a way going forward I think I think that uh, opposite of looking for a leader or a guru or a book or education to learn something that you don't know I think the answers are kind of already inside of an individual or a group of people I think the answers there and uh, I've come to understand that it is the way that you view a couple things the way that you kind of decompose a problem into its various parts and and work on those parts can increase your odds of making a better decision uh, next so I think those areas are critical thinking this has been around for thousands of years when some Greek philosophers like Socrates and Aristotle offered some thoughts on how to uh, make an assumption and then test your assumptions and be critical about it it's also bias and noise I think you'll be real surprised on how much noise surrounds a decision and I'll give an example of that later and then there's the actual neurobiology surrounding uh, decision-making and uh, neurobiology of course around motivation and achievement of course there people hire sports psychologists to help them get their mind right and then even going further than that there's a section of society that forecasts events people are using statistical analysis in order to make a prediction toward the future meaning can they look at something now a causal relationship for the eventual answer the eventual accuracy and determine a quotient or a percent that people contribute in the result to the causal factor and this again will surprise you as far as um, 
how people use decisions and existing causal factors uh, to translate the results. For example, uh, employers will use a filtering mechanism, let's say of a college degree, and the actual fact of a person completing a causal degree, uh, these people are hoped to translate into a successful working relationship with that person by filtering people who have achieved a college degree and hope that that causal factor translates into the future success of them as an employee. And again, this is self-serving. This is me figuring my own self out and trying to do better as, as uh, I'm hoping to um, create um, some investments outside of the floodplain. I'll just be frank with you. That's I haven't sold everything in, in New Orleans, but I um, definitely want to operate outside of the state's boundaries, and uh, that's that's through real estate. Uh, but one of my conclusions, and what I believe now, is that you can really throw most of what the experts and opinion molders you can throw it right in the trash can what what the people that study forecasting creating causal factors as an expert they prove out to be as about as equal to a chimpanzee um, a different type of person does better in forecasting a causal event to the future might be counterintuitive to what you think and I do think you'll be surprised. So that statement alone could improve what you do with your time as far as listening to experts or paying for courses from experts. I really think that you should take the things that are already out there for zero dollars and learn a process of critical thinking and how to reduce bias and noise and how to think of things within your own experience to achieve what you want. And uh, I think the hardest thing in life is to know what you want. Uh, it is, in my opinion, a contrivance. You know, we really need food and shelter and love and, and, and community within our family unit. We don't have to conquer the world and be uh, some kind of famous person where well, you don't need that. So any kind of goal that you have is honestly a contrivance. And I'm just going to guess that you understand that the general topic of my channel is real estate. And it's a broad-ranging topic, and I don't pretend to be the expert in anything other than my own experience. And I have a, a um, more or less successful ac um, history with real estate and maybe you want to enter the world of private property ownership and and acquiring real estate as an asset class you might want to be a salesperson you might want to deal in real estate but who's to say if it's going to be a positive endeavor for you I'd say you're gonna to have to get lucky unless unless you do the proper analysis and understand where you want to go with it. If you have an aim, I've 
struggled with creating a vision for myself like a lot of corporate speak promotes I think it's kind of an aim what's where's where you kind of want to go with it and and let's can we do a little better than just getting lucky um, can we decide what side of the column we're gonna of the success fail column we're gonna fall I'll say to an extent a limited expense extent and honestly it depends looking back on my last 10 years is kind of mysterious um, the previous period was a bunch of production that uh, was it was acquisitions and renovations and financing improvements uh, but then that last 10 years has held children and I think the thought that I'd you know passed the finish line and I was there and analyzing the COVID period for me was a lot of inaction uh, just uh, was kind of in the wait and see column so there were agents out there conquering the world that was not me I was not uh, there was kind of a buying frenzy uh, I personally think uh, some of it was just the uh, um, irrational activities of people under stress people don't make the best decisions when they're under stress and that was a very stressful period so if you're going to give advice to yourself or your friends and family and colleagues if you're going to uh, say that you know something and give advice I, I suggest that you qualify yourself with some kind of process and old Socrates, he used what they they now think of as critical thinking, and it's been improved and extrapolated on. Uh, there's a Paul Elder framework that suggests that we pay attention to specific thought elements, and by focusing on these elements, we can dig deeper and reach a reasonable and practical conclusion. And we're looking. We're not looking just to go on our news feed and let things wash over us like golden diarrhea. We're we're not having fleeting observations. We're looking to reach a productive and concrete end, says the Paul Elder frame, framework. And again, my essay, this oratory, is just about some ideas and processes that you might think about or might engage in just to make better decisions for yourself. Um, so there's one thing for sure. There's no shortage of people that want to trade your money for their process or their method. Um, just um, speaking from experience, uh, the best things in life are free. And that includes information now in this information age that the the real skill is is to reduce the noise of uh, the opinions that are out there by the experts and I think by the end you will come to understand that you should really save your own time and protect your own time and throw out a lot of what the experts are talking about because I really believe um, you can pretty well half it 50-50 on pro versus con whenever you open your news feed on anything uh, state of the world state of the real estate market um, you name it but the intelligence Socrates says consists not only in the knowledge but in the skill to 
apply the knowledge into practice. So just tell me if I'm wrong and think it to yourself. All we have control of is our attention and our effort. And you determine these. Um, I think, just from a macro level, philosophy and psychology are extrapolations on our attention and our efforts on these two items. So do you believe that you have an opportunity to make things better? I, critical thinking will no doubt be critical and you're, you're making assumptions, picking things apart, considering who's to gain from the, the different parts and whether they're, they know what they're talking about. But what's going on with our world is, is uh, it sure seems like the pursuit of money is the name of the game. But um, let's talk about priming for, if, if somebody suggests to you a word or presents a topic or you suggest it to yourself, you'd have to think that you're, you're primed, um, your, your mental attitude. If, if you get a white card of a certain brand, then certainly uh, you will see, you'll see that type of car coming down the road as soon as you take a trip. And that's, that's one example of being primed. But people that are primed uh, with the topic of money, with a subject of money, just thinking about this, they, they, there are studies out there, academic studies, uh, control groups, and that whole thing. I'm not going to cite my sources. Um, I guess you just have to trust me on that. But people that are primed with the topic of money, with seeing dollar bills, they are markedly less empathetic, empathetic and and they're more, they're prone to isolate themselves. And if you, if you just think society's about money, I, I think that we got problems. And um, it seems like our nation states, the nations of the world, it seems like we can't, we can't talk about anything besides our growth domestic product, our trade balance and unbalances. It's all about the money, and a nation state just has a constant thirst, and corporate America has a constant thirst for growth. And there's byproducts, right? War, disease, resource depletion, pollution. Uh, you really have to go back. I think I talked in uh, episode six about what is the state, and I've got some thoughts on that. But um, the British economist, the renowned British economist, John Maynard Keynes, he tried to figure out reality. He said that even apart from the instability due to speculation, there's the instability due to the characteristic of human nature that a large portion of our positive activities depend on spontaneous optimism rather than on a mathematical expectation, whether it's moral, hedonistic, or economic, John Maynard Keats. So he lived from 1883 to 1946. So the Great Depression, he was definitely a mature adult. And he shouldered that. He didn't want that to happen again. His writings and recommendations were in the field of economics and 
he he ended up going on to promote manipulate manipulating government spending meaning uh, to encourage the spontaneous optimism that he was talking about like if there's like for a government to go spend money at a deficit for the future purpose of people going to work taking that money and going and spending it and uh, a distortion is really he's really widely regarded and people to this day promote what he says to uh, spend money at a deficit for the purpose of creating jobs and um, I suppose increasing wages uh, but it, it does lead to the now pop culture word well not pop culture it's a inflation which is too many dollars there's too many dollars in the in the marketplace chasing too few goods and services that's inflation so it, whenever you juice a market he's juicing the need for labor and then for the purpose of curbing uh, you know finding the right balance with, with um, joblessness and growth and inflation and of course value of money so a classic government interventionist that people feel like worked in the Great Depression even though there's substantial facts that it did not work but only um, increased the money supply took us off the gold standard and didn't really do much up until the second war which effectively got us out of uh, the depression but that's what economics is the study of what people do with their lives they combine their labor and the natural resources of the earth for their mutual benefit and one of the measuring units is money but it is at its base humans trying to figure themselves out so it's not a discussion about economics again it's about thought and action uh, critical thinking looking at noise and bias the neuroscience the first and second order thinking uh, forecasting and then I'll put something in about project management because there of I think the original part of what I'm talking about today is a little bit of recognizing the similarities within these topics for the purpose of making good decisions so Aristotle said be a free thinker and don't accept everything as truth be critical and evaluate what you believe in uh, something called the Delphi project it's uh, the creative one of the best definitions of the term but uh, purposeful self-regulatory judgment in which interpretation analysis evaluation and inference as well as an explanation of the evidential conceptual methodological criteriological or contextual considerations upon that judgment is based so what I take this to mean is explode your problem into the different parts see if you can come up with real statistics and real intuition challenge everything to see how your decision is going to go I think that would probably be classified as the causal thinking the looking for causal factors in an, in, in, in an eventual result so 
Uh, we need to find a purpose and question it. Uh, explode out the concepts and see if we understand the concepts uh, involved in the various parts. We need a standard to evaluate it. We're looking for accuracy, fairness, and we're going to need integrity and empathy, of course. And we're going to need to be kind of smart. We're not looking for a bunch of dummies to figure out this critical thinking. And um, having a conscious, having a consciousness of the need to consider all the viewpoints. And this rate relates um, pretty pretty completely to how the the project management, the agile framework within project management is considering things. Um, so did does uh, Socrates offer anything else uh, as far as critical thinking? Well he wants to decompose an assumption into different parts and challenge those different parts. Um, and that type of person needs to be somebody interested in the truth, systematic and analytical, self-confident and mature, and have some humility. And I make the parallel for the humility to be, um, you know, not a big blowhard that defends everything. And that absolutely has a parallel to fox-like thinking that I'll talk about. But let's continue to bias and noise two factors that absolutely affect our judgment when it comes to uh, the causal factors for an eventual re result. So in that respect, you have to assume that there is an accurate answer. There is a correct answer. So for the causal factor to appear 100% in the result would be uh, almost, in, you know, it's not common. So we take these causal factors, various causal factors, and decide with statistics how much of that causal factor appears in the results by a percentage. And you can generate, you can generate a quotient, if you will. But it's an error. Bias is an error. And let me describe. Let me describe bias. There's a shooting target, and you got a tight pattern of five shots inside the bullseye. That's accuracy, right? But if you take that same tight pattern and move it down into the left, it's still tight, but it's not accurate, right? That's what bias, uh, bias can be visually described as. And within, within real estate, you see it a lot. Uh, some of the, I think marketers absolutely um, engage in trying to encourage bias on a daily basis. Let's just talk about the halo effect. Uh, they look good and smell good and talk well and fun to be around, but the halo effect is incorrectly judging the talents of others that are pleasant or good looking. Does somebody's good looks and uh, very attractive attributes, does it translate into making good judgment for you and your family? Well, I think the sales crowd would definitely want you to believe that. And plus, there's a hindsight bias that definitely affects. So, hindsight is uh, a result happens and you said, Yep, I could have seen that. I could have told you that was coming. But 
there's proof that our memories are distorted whenever we think those things, yet the hindsight bias incorrectly causes us to believe that we can call the future. Like, yeah, I knew I knew the 08 crisis was going to happen and I could pick this other. So open up your open up your Google News and see that they said, "Oh, this person's great. They called the 08 recession." I guess, but I'm just telling you about my personal opinion about uh, turning off my Google feed for anything besides entertainment and reading the news and general things that might, I mean, really, reading the news is not such a productive activity, in my opinion. Uh, Other biases, there's that hindsight bias and the naive realism that you think other people feel or think like you do or share your same views. Then similarity bias and think salespeople are actively involved in this type of marketing where there's these in groups like we wear green shirts on uh, we're the group that wears green shirts that's your in group and people with an orange shirt they would be outside of your group on that stupid example but you're more trustful of your in group contacts versus your out group it's what every marketer hopes for is that they've got the answer and they want to make you think that they have the answer my buddy Carlton Sheets that's why I'm in real estate this guy didn't do any real estate he just had a double-breasted suit an ascot and walked along the dock beside somebody's yacht I don't think it was his, but uh, he had a great message. I, I gave him the halo effect, and uh, I don't know what else, but I'm in real estate. Uh, I see it every day. It's just part of it. They, I think salespeople aren't told that they're actively pursuing people's bias and their own. I believe that sales training simply regards this as an understanding of human psychology. Well, that's a little bit about bias. How about noise? So remember that shooting target? Those same five shots aren't tight, but they're loosely positioned around the target. And equally inaccurate, right? We're not in the bullseye. Although, I guess there's a chance to get lucky in one of them, but I think the two biggest causes of noise are one relying on your intuition that gut level judgment uh, it's when you mix your values with the facts and then there's pattern noise that includes occasion noise uh, for example a judge that gives different sentences to different people for the same crime this is well documented you can you can research my words and come up to your own conclusion but it's well regarded there's a guy that that rectified it with standards of sentences and it really was objective but it was ultimately thrown out and just kept as non-mandatory and a mere reference or a guideline for positioning and that occasion noise that the judge gave harsher or linear sentences on rainy days or when they were hungry or if they were flustered this is a derivative of the human mind and first and second order thinking 
um, to just operate on our the, the, a lot of the noise is going to come from the your snap decision, your gut feeling, that quick um, process of your mind. Uh, so, is there a way to tamp down noise and bias? Well, you got to address it. You got to agree that it does exist, and you can create a bias checklist. You know that exists. Uh, there are academic studies measuring the amount of noise and bias, and it's mainly statistical regression. It it uh, creates a ratio of the causal factor to the eventual measurement. And if you want to research this, there's something called a correlation quotient and the percentage concordant. I'll just say that bias and noise create errors in more situations than you might think. Uh, a couple of things on that bias observation. Uh, are we answering the question or are we answering a simpler question? Uh, did we neglect any important factors that, that are important to our decision? Uh, do we have a diversity of views? Uh, is there any way to get a second opinion? Are we uh, too close to the problem to where we can't see the forest for the trees? Have we made uh, any uh, prejudgments? Are we are we coming to the judgment too fast? Uh, is anybody already committed to the conclusion? Is everybody having a say? These are all things that could be on your bias checklist. And uh, is anybody exaggerating? Are we just using stories or analogies or anecdotes? Um, are the numbers that we're coming up with relative? Are we using math? Are we using statistics for anything? Are we just guessing? And uh, did we use all the information that we could get? Is that information valid? Are we confident? And how about the people that are giving us advice on these? Are these people, do these people have something to gain? Are they overly cautious? And to uh, do, do our calculations that we're, that we're judging this by, do they meet our future goals or our priorities, or our long and short-term priorities? So those are a couple things on the bias checklist. And we're using, uh, uh, we're using some math, some statistical regression for, for that. So let's talk about the neurobiology and what could help us make better decisions. With the, for real estate, for your life, for the future, for your children, this is this part is not real estate specific. Again, this is more why, and I think that you'll find that my experience focuses on the whys of the world, the what's. There's no shortage. Go down the podcast thing. There's no shortage of what, what to do. Um, buy stocks, buy real estate, buy gold. Um, there, it's just full of the 
what's of the world. But thinking like a fox and good decision making, fox-like thinking is in literature, it's in academia. Uh, I think that they share some parallels with type 1 and type 2. But the fox-like thinking is contrasted with hedgehog-like thinking. And you'll find that fox-like thinking is associated with people who are curious, empathetic, non-judgmental. They are comfortable with contradictory data points. They make connections uh, along a wider scope of inputs. Uh, let's say they are trying to decide the decision on a piece of real estate. They, they're not afraid to go outside of this discipline. They might uh, reach out to investing in general, see if there's any any truths that are that can be carried over. And that's that's contrasted with hedgehog-like thinking. Uh, they are very good hedgehogs. Are, very good at, at verbalizing their opinion and that's back in the beginning of this that's why I said that uh, you know those people that are the opinion molders the experts they are loud and succinctly state what their opinion is and they offer defense of it so I think that if you challenge them, they're more likely to defend their position rather than to stay curious uh, in this in this realm. And so, the person that might be able to forecast a decision better is not the big blowhard on the radio or TV. It's the person that's might be a little bit sour, a little bit self-effacing, and doubtful, and mm, not as not as apt to. Just make a bold statement that they know the way because the numbers uh, they just don't shake out like that. And those there's even forecasting contests. And if you're the winner of these contests, you're called a super forecaster, meaning uh, you think across a broad section, or you just try to predict a causal factor's eventual appearance in the future result that's what forecasting is and that's what judgment is is using uh, the existing causal factors or identification or consideration of causal factors that are going to uh, create a, an eventual result that you think of as positive and back when I said that uh, those those hedgehog type thinkers, the big experts, uh, they forecast as about a, as good as a chimpanzee. And I'm making the parallel that the, I think there's characteristics of foxlight thinking and being a person that is that is comfortable with the second order of thinking. You can look at uh, Daniel. Kahneman I might be getting it wrong but he wrote a couple books one of them is Thinking Fast and Slow and I don't think he's not the one that coined the phrase System 1 and 2 but System 2 is uh, slow it gets disrupted easy and uh, but it monitors the System 1 uh, and System 1 is that fast intuitive 
snap decision. I use my gut. I used a rule of thumb, uh, but it needs less fuel, it needs less glycogen. That's system one, it's proven it. And system two uses more glycogen. Than, and there's an amount of time that you can, you can only concentrate in the second order for a certain amount of time before you get tired and fall back to the first order of thinking. Like, um, let's say if you're exhausted, you you might be more more inclined to run out and eat some junk food versus staying in your second order and understanding what's good for your body and good for your future. That's an example. You might be able to uh, just consider that within your own life and experience. But uh, you can prime System 1. System 2, kind of monitor System 1, see if it's going to do anything stupid, but you can prime your your System 1. Like uh, if you, if system two primes system one to look for white vans, then you're you have a better chance of locating a, uh, quickly locating a white van. And another thing, I'm gonna I'm gonna switch off and talk about um, how we can motivate ourselves toward our goal. We gotta. We gotta understand that there's a such a topic as a growth mindset and a fixed mindset. A fixed mindset is is of the belief that intelligence is predetermined, that you get what you get genetically, and that's that's about it. Uh, meanwhile, a growth mindset. Is not can, does not uh, adopt that. They feel like intelligence is dynamic and can improve. And there's parallels with this scenario, this uh, paradigm between fox-like thinking. I think you're going to find uh, similarities in these two in these two realms. And people that are growth-minded are are rewarded by parents or whoever or themselves they concern themselves with their effort they're praised on the amount of effort the length of their effort and and what is what is interesting is that when people are primed they choose harder problems and they do more problems that are harder in the future and therefore subject to more growth and meanwhile the people that are of a fixed mindset they're rewarded for their label you're so smart oh you're so pretty oh you're the best these people they filter they optimize toward the label meaning they take on less hard problems and do less of the less hard problems to optimize and maintain that label believe it or not they'll also lie about their performance when they're tasked with uh, stating what their performance was on a particular challenge to the public. So that so that growth mindset really you really need to focus on the verbs, what they've done and if you don't, if you if you just concentrate on the on the label, you can undermine your own performance as well as somebody else's. Uh, you're you're 
put them on this pedestal, giving them the trophy that says that they don't have to try anymore. And uh, I'd encourage you to research it on your own to determine if it's true. This is not me with the answers. I'm just going to tell you that I'm, I don't have the degrees for anything that I'm telling you. I'm just telling you that I've, I'm trying to make conclusions on my own. And this is, this is subject to being revisited and, and changed. So don't re reward yourself with a performance label. Like me, thinking that I'd hit the finish line, uh, my own performance diminished. And uh, just, I can see it. Nobody told me this. I've just, it's become self-evident. So I'm going to use verbs in the future. We're all wired to use verbs. And we all have control over our attention and our effort. If, if you are convinced that uh, the real estate's an asset class for you, you're going to be able to do it, regardless of what's on the headline, uh, regardless of where the market's going. You are going to be able to achieve what you, what you choose if you, if you concern yourself with properly analyzing your goal. And again, the goal is a contrivance, and the vision for your life is a contrivance. We get to decide. So, um, again, on that neurobiology, that those fixed mindset people, when they got an error during a, a test, the part of their, their brain that's concerned with emotion uh, spiked more whenever they get the wrong answer. Meanwhile, um, the, the uh, growth mindset people, they, they were they were engaged to, um, to have some kind of cognitive appraisal to figure it out and they worked harder and uh, their identity is engaged to ongoing effort so um, so to stay motivated uh, definitely am speaking to myself at this point but um, I know that I, I want to feel motivated and if I have a real deadline, like a real deadline, then um, I'm definitely galvanized toward toward an end. But what if you don't do something that you tell you're gonna self you're gonna do? If there's no teeth in it, it's just a little harder to focus on it. So, what does that tell you? It tells you that we need to do more imagination work do more imagination work and determine what we really do want and 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 direct that imagination work to the future state that we want to be and and boil it down to something that you can guarantee can you guarantee that something will be done that's a goal if it can't you can't guarantee that it can be done then i don't know what it is but um focus on the problem to stay motivated um, and also the other thing is to have a stress is enhancing mindset about these growth mindset people they feel like stress enhances their performance and they acknowledge stress and welcome stress and they leverage it they they leverage this stress mindset uh, and just the the academic papers have determined that performance is better when you just acknowledge that 
that stress is present and uh, the ways that stress affects us and it really depends on what you believe about stress so uh, you can you get to choose whether you feel stress uh, debilitates you or degrades you or if stress uh, Im improves you so there's another idea to to consider and uh, let me close with with a little bit about project management and if you have projects decisions then is there a formatted way to use these ways use these processes to optimize your life or your projects a project can be a product a project can be a service but I've done some project management training and one of the more popular methods coming up is use of uh, agile project management it's also called lean technology these are born in manufacturing and computer software development but it's increasing in in conjunction or even independent of the classic waterfall style of project management but uh, check this out and see if it makes any parallels to what I've spoken about uh, they the manifesto says we are preferring individuals and interactions over processes and tools so right there it's talking about uh, communication interacting and perhaps accepting contrary uh, data points the second part working products over comprehensive documentation so uh, instead of making a big design for a fish catching machine we're just gonna go figure out how to catch fish and regarding a customer there's collaborations versus just a contract negotiation and the other the fourth part of the agile manifesto is responding to change over following a plan and I'll just talk about a little bit there's roles involved and it can get a little bit technical but you basically have a storyboard for the person that wants the product to happen it might be the product owner but they they create this storyboard of some of the things or all of the things that they understand being associated with the eventual product so the team that enjoys a lot of independence and they have a facilitator or a team leader or a scrum master the scrum is the weekly meetings that they collaborate they pick the things internally that they're going to work on and compress the time associated we really want to iterate the working product the working service and we agree and independently and together the the meeting is the kind of togetherness but you pick the things off the storyboard that you're going to work on and complete and you're going to come back at the end of the week to determine the working product and assess and analyze the working product but what you'll find is the 
team members are cross-functional. We're not wanting to have all computer computer programmers if we're developing a piece of software. They're cross-functional, and you got independence, but you're c- compressing the time. And I can't help but think that having those cross-functional team members or uh, interdisciplined people kind of reminds me of uh, creating some or engineering some Fox-like thinking that considers multiple viewpoints. So you can study several things. You can understand uh, the neurobiology around goal setting and uh, first and second order thinking and uh, the growth mindset versus the fixed mindset. And you can also um, review critical thinking, bias and noise, and uh, fox-like thinking that I've said. But I really think uh, critical thinkers, you got courage and humility and empathy and independence and integrity. I know that the money person, Warren Buffett, and his partner, they absolutely stress intellectual integrity. They just don't that's just the baseline filter. If they've determined you as not having integrity, uh, they're just not going to deal with you. And uh, so that is my thoughts today about setting a goal and achieving a, achieving some good good judgment around a particular. Uh, topic, or you'd have to say a decision. Um, a good judgment would judge a subject, or judge a decision, or judge something in our life correctly. But um, those are some measurements about what is out there with the the, the uh, study that I've done on it. So I really hope it's been enlightening for me. It really has. If you um, if you've got a real estate decision, a real estate desire or vision, I just encourage you to uh, go to Simplified Home Sales on the top right. You can uh, get my template for some some processes to achieve your goal. It's a small project management uh, template for achieving your goal, but you can um, just Invite me to your workspace at Marcus Tuttle. You can, if if you figure out how to use that, use a Notion, start a free Notion account, copy my template into your workspace, and if you have some questions, just uh, at Marcus Tuttle, invite me to your workspace for any input that that uh, you'd like from me. So I may have to do a video because not everybody's up on Notion. But just want to thank you for listening to this if you've gotten this far. And I hope to have you back for my future discussion. Uh, Marcus Tuttle, um, The Wide World of Real Estate. Thank you so much.